Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. My name's Danae Cannon, and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the Crash Course. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today we're going to talk about the spoon theory, what that is, and how it applies to ADHD. Now, this idea of the spoon theory was created by Christine Miserandino. She is someone who has lupus, and one of her friends had asked her, what is it like to live with lupus? And they were happened to be at a diner at the time. She grabbed a handful of spoons to be able to make this analogy of what her life was like with lupus. And she told her friend, let's suppose each day you have 12 spoons of energy, effort, ability to spend each day to get everything done in a day and that everything that you do costs a certain amount of spoons and obviously with lupus some things take a lot more spoons than they would for somebody who does not have lupus things like dressing getting ready things that might cost someone else significantly less spoons might cost someone with lupus more because of their energy and the pain that they're dealing with and so this analogy has resonated with a lot of people who live with chronic conditions and it has also resonated with a lot of people in the mental health community, this idea of spoons and the spoon theory and how much uh, basically of our energy budget is spent doing things that may cost others a significantly less amount of energy. Just getting out of bed could be a different demand for somebody who has rheumatoid arthritis or depression. Things that others might take for granted that just you're able to do without spending that energy budget might actually spend quite a bit of your energy budget if you have a chronic health condition. So let's look specifically with ADHD and apply the spoon theory to ADHD and how this shows up for us, what this means for us. If you look at that group of executive functioning skills, that group of get it done skills that we talk about, you can see very easily how something that might take someone else very few spoons, if you're somebody who struggles with executive functioning skills, might take you significantly more. I've had a lot of people say to me, you know, I'm surrounded by people who make this all look so easy and they're very down on themselves. Why can't I get as much done in a day is this person or this neighbor or this friend or everyone it seems like around them. Sometimes that's us being hard on ourselves. That's a perception thing. But sometimes it really is the reality that if you're struggling in some of these areas, you are not able to get as much done. Or if you are able to get those things done, the energy cost is extreme. And so a lot of people with ADHD have this experience of I'm on, I'm getting all the things done, I'm knocking it out, and then they crash. And then they have maybe a whole day, maybe several days where they're getting very little done or a lot less done and their energy is way low. They have to recover from this kind of frenetic burn of their energy and their effort during the time they got things done, during the times they were being very productive and they were quote unquote on. And so I wanted to offer a few tips for how we can work with this idea of the spoon theory to kind of create awareness, create an understanding of ourself and our energy and how we can work with this when it comes to ADHD, managing ADHD, managing our energy because really managing your energy with ADHD is huge. And it's not something that people think about because ADHD is kind of lumped into this idea of hyperactivity and high energy. And with ADHD, you very often, especially in adults, especially in the inattentive variety of ADHD, we often deal with a lot of fatigue. We often deal with a lot of dysregulated energy. So the energy that we have is not predictable. We might have very high energy, very low energy. Sometimes it doesn't really seem to have a pattern. And so it's good to 
have a lot of awareness about this in ourselves. And of course, awareness of what things help set us up with more reliable energy. And so I wanted to talk about some ideas about how we can work with our fluctuating energy with even unreliable energy when we have ADHD and when we really don't know what we're going to have each day when it comes to our energy, our attention, our motivation, even to get things done. And so my first tip, my first piece of advice is self-compassion. And I know I talk about this a lot because it's so important. It's not fluffy and puffy and extra. It is key for supporting yourself, supporting your brain, supporting the reality that is. If you wake up because you did not sleep, because of any other myriad of reasons, and you have a few spoons, you have less energy, resources, attention than you normally have, you're actually going to spend spoons, spend energy with self-criticism, with being hard on yourself. I should be able to get this done. I should be able to jump out of bed easily without five snoozes. I should be able to do X, Y, Z does not help your energy. It tanks your energy. And so creating this atmosphere of self-compassion, this habit of self-compassion with yourself where you notice things and you do not judge them, you accept them and you offer kindness to yourself can be humongous in helping you maintain, maximize your energy. And so self-compassion, just recognizing the fact that for you, it may take five spoons to make dinner and when it takes your mom two or it takes your sister three, that these things might cost you more because of the type of brain that you have and that this is not a moral failure, anything that's wrong with you. It is it is what it is and there's ways to support it, but accepting that and offering yourself the kindness that, yeah, this one is harder for you. This does take more energy for you is a good beginning in how to apply spoon theory to your life and managing your energy. And what I didn't mention, because I do feel like I'm a broken record about this point, is that the the noticing, the noticing comes along with the self-compassion that you're noticing, hey, my energy's low here. Wow, this task that I didn't really think was a big deal drained my energy. I know for me, shopping, it drains my life force. And it's crazy because I, you know, I grew up with a mom who loves shopping. She gets really energized by shopping. And I never thought a lot about it when I was younger. I would be beyond exhausted after shopping with her and I was you know as a teenager and she would have all this energy and, and feel great and I would feel almost physically ill and I remember feeling badly about that just thinking of myself as somebody who was low energy or kind of fragile of course I didn't know I had ADHD at that point and I remember this kind of tying into that narrative of I'm low energy I'm lazy I'm not motivated whatever because what my body felt like after shopping well, now that I look back at that or I look at that currently in my life, I know exactly why shopping exhausts me. It is full of decision-making. It is full of sensory overload. It is full of a lot of things that are harder for me than they are for some other people. And so I know if I'm going shopping, especially certain kinds of shopping, I know that I'm not going to plan a lot of high energy things, high demand things. And a day when I have to shop, it's I'm just not going to have those resources. And I know that. And I don't feel bad about it. I understand that a lot more. And I just accept that that's the reality. And so this this first piece of advice is this combination of noticing what is true for you and that self-compassion. If something does drain your energy, recognizing that even if it doesn't drain the energy of everybody around you, it does for you and that's okay. And just adjusting what you're doing in the day. And sometimes that's hard because we 
don't want to have to say no to other things because we said yes to something. But recognizing what is true for you will help you be able to manage your energy kind of for the long run and be able to take more control over your day rather than just kind of responding, reacting to what you're left with in terms of energy. The next piece of advice I have is creating menus. Now, don't think food menu here. We're talking about menu as in a selection of choices. And so a lot of times, somebody who's working with me, they want to make some changes in their lives. And so let's say they want to practice more self-care or they want to start moving more, having more exercise in their life, or they want to be cooking more meals at home and not eating out as much. Anytime you're trying to make a change in your life, it's a really good idea that you make a menu of what that could look like depending on the day, depending on the energy that you have. What happens for a lot of us, this is, I'm definitely guilty of this, is that we plan for only one version of ourselves. We plan for the version of ourselves that has plenty of energy, was well rested, every child made the bus that morning, uh, you have plenty of time, there's no other emergency that's pulling you off into a different direction. You plan for the most optimistic situation and setting. And although that's lovely and that's inspirational, you also have to plan for other versions of you because that's reality. That's life. You have to plan for the low energy version, the low motivation version. If you only have one really rigid way that a change can look in order for you to be successful, you're going to get discouraged. It's not realistic. And it's this all or nothing thinking that we can Really struggle with. And so a menu may look like this. Let's say that self-care is important to me and I want to add more self-care to my days. Well, I want to imagine a menu of self-care options that it's going to take into account the different kind of days I might be having. So one version of self-care might actually just be lighting a good smelling candle and hanging out with my candle for a minute or two. You know, another version might be a yoga practice. It's going to take me 40 minutes. Another might be a bath. One might be a face massage, but you know, there's, there's a range depending on who you are and what your life looks like. Like that bath might seem really passive for someone, but if you have a house full of children, that bath might be when the stars align, that might be really hard to pull off. So depending on your circumstances, imagining yourself and imagining your life and what would cost you the most energy, the least energy, different options for how to continue continue on with something that's important to you when you want to add that. You want to have different options so you can be successful. All the versions of you can be successful because with ADHD, with depression, with anxiety, with a lot of mental health diagnoses, your day, your energy burn in the day might be quite different day to day. You might have started out with less energy for lots of factors. You might have burned more energy in places you didn't even plan to burn energy. And so, yeah, we're making choices throughout our day to conserve our energy, to make choices about where we want to spend our energy. But even if we've made those choices, we don't have control over all of that. And so we want ways to be successful, moving us towards our goals that look different, that have different energy demands. A lot of times when I'm working with someone, we come up with what they're going to do that week. I will say, what could get in your way? what could keep this from happening? Not because I want to be a Debbie Downer, but because I want to imagine what's the reality? What what might this look like? How can we prepare for this? How can we create either strategies to help with that or other options so you can still have success even if the day doesn't look ideal, even if you don't have the energy reserves you were planning for to get this thing done? 
Before we close out, I'm going to give you one more example. We're going to make menus of one of those other goal areas because I do think sometimes a practical application of this can jam people up. So let me give you one more example of what this could look like. We're going to take the example of I want to prepare more food and eat out less. And let's make a menu of what that would look like. Well, first you have to know what it looks like now. And let's say this person's taking out food a few nights a week and they want to do less of that. And so we're going to create a menu for what eating at home is going to look like. This is where a lot of us get jammed up because enter perfectionism, enter maximizing. And although our goal is creating more food at home, suddenly... It also needs to be organic and environmentally friendly and cost-effective and time-effective and insert the blank. So a lot of times we're trying to make this change that we're not giving up and getting takeout. That matters to this person. They want to create more food, but then suddenly they're layering on all these other demands onto this task. And so creating a menu is pretty tough, right? When you're trying to check all those boxes. So you want to limit your priorities here. There's that saying that if everything's a priority, nothing a priority and that happens a lot and jams us up. Everything's a priority and we get overwhelmed and you can't make a menu when everything's a priority. With the menu, there's probably needs to be an option here of opening a can of soup, something similar to that that is cool with you. And so you need to have options that really account for this is the low energy version versus the I'm going to Pinterest a new recipe that has X, Y, and Z and make this big meal. Like maybe that is how you want it to look, but that shouldn't be all four of your menu options. There should be an option that is a phoned in option that is still in line with the change you want to make. So that wraps up our episode on spoon theory and menus in creating menus. If you want to take a look at Christine's original explanation on spoon theory, I've linked that in the show notes so you can read that. It's a really good description and gives some insight that can apply to a lot of us. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're enjoying this, please rate the podcast, review the podcast. This helps other people find it. It helps me show up when they're searching for resources on ADHD. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next week. 